so I assume everyone listening is probably, you know, familiar with Atlas and your ambitions. Can you introduce yourself real quick for those who aren't? Yeah. So uh, my name is Mark Hanchett, CEO and founder of uh, Atlas Motor Vehicles. And uh, Atlas is a uh, electric automotive technology company building uh, or building and developing technology all the way from the cell level up through the entire vehicle system. So you're not classifying yourself as a just a manufacturer. You want to expand into Cor technology, infrastructure, battery development, correct. all the above. Yeah, correct. Uh, I spent a lot of time sort of analyzing the industry when I when I got started and looking at opportunities that are there. And uh, my, you know, from our strategy standpoint, you really have to own. Uh, on the battery side alone, you really have to own everything from the cell up if you're going to remain competitive uh, in either the near future or the long future. Uh, owning that sort of energy storage side, especially when that is such a large cost driver, uh, that is incredibly important. It's also a big differentiator for anyone in the market. So, so uh, 1.5 megawatts and 15 minute charge time is what you guys are, are promising, right? Is is that something that's actively uh, being worked on and achieved, or is it a, a goal for you guys? Uh, it's actively being worked on and achieved. So uh, we started with uh, a lot of research, development, proof of concept testing. Um, so you start at the cell level and work your way through that, understand the challenges and difficulties that are there. Uh, and really it's all customer driven. So if the customer says, listen, I'll buy a full size, full scale truck, but I can't wait for two hours for it to charge. Well, that's where you start. Um, so we started with off the shelf technology, understanding limitations, proving out the concepts, doing testing there. Uh, on the power delivery side, we've been working with, uh, through some off the shelf components and stuff, understanding challenges there, uh, which led us to where we're at today, which is we are actively uh, in development of what we call the AMV cell, um, which the acronym is pretty obvious there, Atlas Motor Vehicles, but the AMV cell, uh, which is this uh, proprietary cell design. It's tabless. Um, it has a number of other sort of features to it that allow us to do some crazy things like charge ultra fast. Uh, and then on the 1.5 megawatt side and the charging station side, uh, we were working through some challenges with off-the-shelf technology, realizing that it won't meet our requirements, um, which we developed a number of solutions to sort of work around that. But now we're actively developing a charging station that's capable of delivering one up above actually one and a half megawatts of power. Uh, so banking off that 1.5 megawatts, um, obviously a lot of, in a lot of different industries, it's advised against constantly fast charging uh, any mm -hmm. sort of battery, whether it's cell phone batteries or EV batteries. Um, and I see that you, your goal is to have your batteries last for at least a million miles. Uh, mm -hmm. Is there how much um, in that million miles, how much of that can be fast charged with the megawatt charger? How like uh, is how big of a issue is the battery degradation from such fast charging with your guys' cell? So uh, what I would tell you is that uh, if I were to buy something off the shelf today, uh, set it on a table and pump, basically push a bunch of energy into it and do nothing else with it, uh, you will absolutely degrade the life of that cell. Uh, they are not designed both from a thermal management standpoint to a chemistry standpoint 
to, to be able to accomplish that. Um, now we've done a number of things and we're in a lot of these things are obviously they're still in development in terms of final product solution, but, uh, a lot of what we've done today and a lot of the testing and research that we've done and everything else, uh, says that, um, we will be able to accomplish basically, uh, it's a little bit above 2000 cycles, uh, is the goal, uh, to reach that million mile mark. Uh, and right now, the data that we have today suggests that we'll be able to meet that mark while fast charging the cells. Right. That's, that's very impressive. Um, and continuing on just the charging network side of it, because um, I feel like it's not as talked mm -hmm. about with your cars. Um, how large are you envisioning your battery network to be and by a certain time frame? And a follow up to that would be, um, is the increase in power delivery, uh, the 1.5 megawatts, is, is there a significant increase in how much it, it costs to build certain charging stations of, of, of that charge rate compared to something like a Tesla supercharger station or Electrify America charging station? Yeah, um, so I guess two questions there would be, um, one is how vast do we expect the network to be and what periods of time? Uh, early, uh, the kind of day one strategy is to focus on local areas with uh, commercial businesses and, and partners that need that fast charging opportunity, but they need it to be local for what they do very specifically. Um, from there, that's like kind of the first year of, of product delivery. Uh, and then for long travel, we'll, uh, our vehicles will leverage the existing kind of CCS networks that are out there. Uh, kind of phase two of that strategy is to focus on uh, highway corridors. So highway corridors within cities and highway corridors between cities and deploying charging networks and solutions there uh, with an initial focus in the Southwest and then kind of what I would say is working across sort of the I-40 corridor as you move across the U.S. as the best example. Um, and trying to basically pace these out and, and install these uh, at periodic points so you can actually eventually get to uh, travel across the U.S. And then where we're not at, again, leverage slower capabilities with CCS uh, charging systems that are out there. Um, to... The second question that you asked was, um, is it more expensive to deploy a one and a half megawatt charging station? And today it is, our ultimate goal is to obviously bring that cost down, uh, but it is more expensive to, to install and deploy that system today. Is it substantially more expensive than like an Electrify America station or a Tesla? Um, I don't have exact numbers on what Tesla is. I will tell you that if we were to buy everything off the shelf, it would be incredibly expensive to do this because a lot of the equipment, like the inverters and things like that, they're not built in a mass production environment. They're built more as a one-off sort of hobby uh, or not hobby, but like a one-off sort of, you know, they hand build one, they ship it out, they hand build another one, they ship it out. Uh, so a lot of investment is going to, and time is going to have to be put into creating a high volume manufacturable solution, uh, to drive that cost down. From what I understand, that's a, a large part of Atlas is you guys aren't just taking things off the shelf. You, you want numbers that aren't achievable today. So you're developing the technology needed, taking more of a startup approach, correct? Correct. If, if it's something you can't buy and it doesn't meet our either cost targets uh, or performance requirements, then we will develop it in-house. 
are you guys going to leave your uh, charging network proprietary or open for other manufacturers as well? So our plan is to just open it up. Uh, we will open it up to, if the ultimate goal is to, is to really advance things and push things out there, obviously we wanna own the network side of it. That's part of the business. Uh, but in terms of integration with other OEMs and their vehicles, uh, there won't be a licensing agreement to integrate that plug into that side of it. We want to open that up, make it as easy as possible for them to integrate that system into their particular vehicle application. Uh, moving on to the software experience, uh, uh, the software experience has clearly become a very important thing in the purchase decisions of electric cars. Um, mm -hmm. No pardon, thanks to you know Tesla and their constant features updates over right. the course of the of the lifespan of the cars. Uh, so I wanted to know uh, what kind of software experiences can we uh, expect from the Atlas and any other future products you have? Uh, are there going to be over there software updates or any other cool features, maybe some sort of uh, autonomous features? Or um, do you guys see that uh, those types of features aren't really what your core um, audience wishes for and, you're, and you would rather focus on given as much performance as possible? So... Um... I would say can, uh, there's a couple of questions there that I, I guess I could answer. The first one is, should our customers expect over-the-air updates and continuous improvements in the vehicle experience? The answer to that is absolutely yes. I think that that is something that any uh, technology company in this particular space and really any product space should be thinking about. Your product should not just be sold, done, forget it, and, and disappear. I think Tesla has definitely pioneered that, and they should be recognized for that. But the idea of continuous upgrades is, is absolutely a requirement going forward. Uh, in terms of autonomous driving, uh, we're looking for partners today. Uh, and we're having talks with at least two partners today um, to engage in development and implementation of autonomous driving capabilities. Uh, whether or not that's available at launch is still up to beta as to debate as to what level is available. We are aiming for at least minimum uh, level two capabilities per the standard that's out there today. Uh, but over time, those will be continuously improving things that we will offer uh, as a, a um, just as a software update that eventually comes. Now, so a couple of new concepts that are out there are, you talked about the life of the vehicle. Because we're aiming for a million mile life of the vehicle, some other concepts uh, that are out there that aren't quite implemented, which is what Atlas is focused on with the sub subscription program is continuous updates of hardware within the vehicle. So if you're on one of our subscription programs, then you're not only is the software going to get better over time, but the hardware itself as we sort of progress and, and as things reach perhaps an end of life or a cycle for maintenance reasons that those pieces will be continuously upgraded. So imagine having a vehicle that not only gets better over time from a, uh, from say a software standpoint, but over say the 10, maybe even 20 years that you own a vehicle, uh, that the hardware within that vehicle also continuously gets, uh, is improved. So, so the platform you're creating is sort of modular. You won't have yeah. to buy a new car every five years, whatever the average. Correct. And, and we're really trying to get to this concept of a circular economy where uh, vehicles, they do last much longer. As parts sort of come off, they're either refurbed, repurposed, or recycled back into a brand new part. Uh, and then that goes right back into the vehicle. Um, 
could you give us a, a rundown of some of the features that are implemented in the Atlas for, um, you know, like construction workers or people that work with their hands, stuff that uh, would really sell, you know, quote unquote, truck people on, on the Atlas? Right. So um, I won't say implemented, I'll say in development, um, but uh, our focus in, in, in truly being focused on the work market and, and that segment is to make things as simple as possible. So from a high level perspective, the concept should be you open the door, you get in, you just go, right? The vehicle is ready to go. You don't have to push a start button. You don't have to touch, you know, you don't have to do any configurations or anything like that to the point where in fleet, particular fleet customers, if multiple individuals are using a vehicle, right, when they get in, the, the system is updated or configured to that particular person's settings. Uh, so that's one big thing. Now, in terms of dealing with the, the sort of dirty, uh, ugly side, I guess, of the, the work market, everything that we're developing from an interior aspect, so the floors, the the panels on the doors, the pan, the trim right on the A and B and C pillars in the vehicle, the seats themselves, the dash, all of that is being developed with a mindset of uh, dirty, snowy, wet, grimy, greasy, dusty, whatever that is. This needs to be very easily cleaned and not just sprayed out, but you need to be able to yank the seats out and clean the entire floor. Things can't be stuck in little cracks and crevices forever. Uh, the best example I use for things like the door cards, the door panels, uh, the A and B and C pillar sort of interior trim is imagine somebody with a, a snowy, muddy boot. The first thing they do when they get in is they're going to bang it on the side of that thing to, to knock some of the mud and dirt off. Well, then that panel has to be able to take that kind of abuse uh, and be very easily cleaned off from there. Is, is there anything being implemented on the uh, more mechanical side, like a uh... I know others have onboard air compressors, 240. Yep. Yeah, so in the in the front and in the bed, uh, we'll provide uh, 240 volt, 120 volt uh, outlets, both front and rear, with independent 50 amp circuits. Uh, the in the both the front and the bed, you'll have uh, access to onboard air. If you want to use things like air tools or anything like that, um, all of that's uh, being developed, so it's implemented within those two locations. Uh, and they operate independently. So a lot of requests that we get are, can I operate uh, like a welder uh, or something like that? We want to make sure that they can operate a welder on one end and there might be someone else using an outlet on the other end and they're not essentially popping a circuit, right? When they try to operate, say, two sets of tools on both ends of the truck. Is there a particular feature that you're really, it's like your favorite feature or a feature that you really want to highlight to anyone looking at the Atlas, something you're proud of or just find super cool on the truck? Um, so the things that I'm most proud of is it's kind of a high level thing. It's this idea of simplicity. Uh, so we're trying to develop a product that makes it easier to do the things that a truck is meant to do without creating excessive complication in steps needed to, to operate the vehicle. So, um, Anytime we can we can develop a feature or a software integration concept or or solution where let's say it's towing a trailer. Uh, when you're towing a trailer, the simplest thing we could do is when you hook a trailer up. If it's something that the vehicle has seen before or, or interacted with before, you simply tag that trailer. It adjusts the mirrors. It adjusts the drive settings. It adjusts 
everything required to tow that, including the, the trailer brake integration and, and things like that to properly handle that trailer. But it's not something you have to fidget with. It's not something you have to play with. It's the ultimate drive to make that as simple as you possibly can. Uh, down the road, implementing uh, more autonomous uh, object recognition features such that you don't even have to configure the trailer through a set of settings. It's that it'll recognize it based on the way it looks, its size, shape, whatever that is, and then automatically make adjustments and then continuously refine those adjustments as you continue to drive based on feedback that we're getting from a number of the sensors that are within the vehicle. Those are the things that I'm most excited about. It's, it's creating simplicity for the end user, the end customer that's going to eventually be operating that vehicle in whatever capacity that they have and, and allowing them to do so safely and continuously progress with regards to safety. It gets better and better and better, easier, easier, easier as the, you know, as they continue to own that vehicle. Well, there's, there's a lot of this vehicle still under development. Correct. You guys don't have a prototype just yet. Do you still think a 2021 timeline that was initially given is within reach? Are you still shooting for it? Uh, well, I'm always, <laughs> I'm always aggressive in my timelines and I'm always confident that we'll hit those. Uh, if we can hit our, our kind of team growth goals, our funding goals, and we can solidify a couple of these key partnerships that we're uh, looking to, to sort of button up here in the next 60 days, uh, those partnerships are really focused on the manufacturing side of things. Uh, the body in white, uh, some of the structures, suspension, things like that. Uh, things that are not necessarily core to us today that down the road, of course, will we'll start to potentially be core to us. But uh, if we can get those agreements in place, we can achieve our funding goals, then I think 2021 is a very achievable goal. A lot of the other technology, suspension, drive systems, uh, battery technology, right? All of those other things, we're currently developing those in-house, we're testing those systems. Uh, and really what's left is, it's a lot, but it's, it's the, the things that are very common across the industry that we're not necessarily uh, trying to, to sort of change today because it doesn't make sense. With all of these uh, reverse, mer reverse mergers and IPOs from these new EV companies, have you guys considered that route for um, uh, some funding? We have, uh, but I think the challenge there is there's this idea of, we need to raise several hundred million dollars. This seems like a very easy way to do it. The, the hiccup and challenge there, and I think the thing that we're all very cautious about is as a lot of these companies do that and a lot of these companies fold or investors get burned, it really, it, it damages the industry and it, it very much so hurts the possibility of being able to continue doing that down the road. Uh, so is it in our plan? No. we. Uh, we don't have a plan to go public for several years. We want to get a product out, start shipping it, uh, start generating revenue, and make that a growth consideration. Are we listening to offers? I will say yes, we're listening to offers, but it's not currently a uh, executable plan that we are focused on. Very respectable. Uh, Atlas has been around since 2016, right? There was There was close to no one in the space during that time. Maybe Workhorse? It was just talks from other automakers about uh, upcoming electric trucks. You guys were some of the first to pull out right. some renders. How do you, how is your views on this? Uh, I don't want to call it a niche because trucks are a huge part of the segment, but how, how is your views on this segment change 
as others have joined the space? Um, I definitely think it's it's gotten a lot more fun. Um, <laughs> back then, it was a lot of it can't be done. Uh, today, it still is a lot of it can't be done. And I don't think a lot of people ask, how do we address competitors and things like that? Our competitors are not other EV startups or companies that are building electric vehicles. Uh, this is one, it's the largest market in the US and there is definitely uh, a direction to go for various different solutions within that market. But our biggest competitor is the mindset that electrification can't solve problems with what pickup trucks are expected to achieve. That's it, it's, your competition is, is a belief or a mindset that this is impossible. It's not others within the market. You, you really have to overcome the big challenges and the, the, the fear that a gas or diesel vehicle is just superior to electric. Even though we know it's not, um, there's a couple of hurdles and doors you have to overcome or go through uh, to be able to really shift the industry from gas and diesel to electric. And to do that, that's part of the reason why we're targeting very work-centric solutions. That's why we're targeting high tow rates, high payload rates, longer ranges, faster charge times. We really wanna push the envelope in terms of what's possible here to show people and demonstrate that, listen, your gas and diesel vehicle is fantastic, but when you shift to electric, you're never gonna look back and think, man, I wish I would have stayed there. You're gonna go forward and say, God, why did we ever drive these things? Why did we ever do that? Do you think one day electric trucks will surpass gasoline and diesel vehicles? I absolutely do. And I think it will happen much faster than most of us are predicting. Probably true, honestly. <laughs> yeah, probably true. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that was all the questions we had for you, uh, Mark. Uh, is there is there anything else you wanted to just speak about that we didn't get to touch upon or uh, are, you, are, you, are you good? No, I, th I think we're good, guys. And, uh, you know, anytime you guys have questions or anything, feel free to mm -hmm. reach out and ask us. Um, you know, just a little bit of a plug here. We are out there raising funding. We have a reggae offering that's live on our website. And, uh, you know, we're a company that is focused on our customers. We're owned by our customers. And uh, we're looking for people that if you're interested in being part of this journey, then, you know, check us out, check out the reggae offering, and we'd love for people to invest.